everybody. This is a little different for me. <laughs> Just because I'm teaching with someone else at the same time. And I have no clue which one of us is supposed to start, but I opened my mouth first. <laughs> so um, I am Jermaine Shorter. Just to give you a little bit of information about me. I attend um, Alva Creek Church of Christ. Um, and I work, see clients out of the, hello. How you doing? I um, see clients out of the Christian Counseling Center in Bartlett. That is my uh, night and weekend job. During the, during the week, Monday through Friday, I am the Performance and Quality Improvement Director for Agape Child and Family Services. And so that's what I do Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, nights and weekends. I'm a pre-licensed professional counselor under the supervision of the illustrious Keith Fussell. The illustrious. The illustrious. That's his new adjective. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Illustrious. Okay. So that's me. Cool. And a bunch. Cool. Nice to meet you, sir. <laughs> My name is Luke Gard. Um, I am not a performance and quality director of anything, uh, but I am a youth minister at Oliver Creek. Um, and I have been there for over five years. That's not true, over four, almost five. Um, and I've been in youth ministry <clears throat> almost 10 total. Um, I am married to an amazing woman uh, that uh, I married up, so I went in life, it's pretty awesome. We have a two and a half year old son named Hudson. And um, the home that we now live in, uh, sweet Miss Ivy over here helped us get and close on and all that awesome stuff, so we love that family. Um, I also am part of the Christian Counseling Center in Bartlett. I've probably ever only ever seen like two clients in that office though, because I usually see people in my office at church. Um, and then I also go to Jackson, Tennessee one day a week where I work at a Christian Counseling Center called Recovery of Life. Um, and I see folks there um, as well. I also work at HealthQuest on Fridays um, I lead a group there for those who are recovering from opiate addiction. Um, and besides all that, I'm a full-time youth minister, so um, it's it keeps me busy. I am also a pre-licensure, whatever you said. A pre-licensed professional counselor. Yeah, that sounds nice. Uh, for apparently the illustrious uh, <laughs> Keith Fussell is supervising me. Um, I am a EMDR trained clinician, which if you have no idea what that means, We'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment because it's rele relevant to trauma. And um, what else did you say? Am I That's done? It. I didn't talk about my wife, but she's sitting right there. She's right there. She's literally right there. I'm so sorry. I should have. I should have like pointed you out. Then I apologize. Sorry. Do you want to do that? I'm now? not used to these introduction type things. This is my wife, Catherine Shorter. She does more stuff than I do. Um, so just to give you a heads up, uh, since you talked first, I'm just going to start talking now. Yeah. Um, we're going to try to go a little bit back and forth here so that you're not getting one of us all at once. Um, it might get confusing for us, so I apologize if it gets confusing for you. Um, first off, we just want to talk about what trauma is in general. Uh, Jermaine's going to give you kind of a clinical definition, because uh, a lot of people have heard the word trauma. You might have your own definition of the word trauma. He may want to know what you think trauma is. Um, you'll also see on the board that at least one of us doesn't know how to spell trauma. 
but I'm going to explain that to you because I, I love explaining why I can't spell. Um, and so, go ahead, sir. Okay. Take it. Um, does anyone know what trauma is? What do you think? I deal with trauma on a daily basis. Oh, well, that's not fair because <laughs> you're like. I'm a chap in the region. Well, yeah. Yeah. So kind of help us, kind of help the class out, get us started here. What do you, what, what do you see? In trauma is a, an unnatural event that occurs to people that is outside of the realm of experience, and it really rocks the world. It, it could be to some of us, it could be something small, but you know, it just, it's just outside of your experience. I got a question. To do. Can uh, can trauma be positive or negative? There is evidence supporting post, what's called post-traumatic growth, mm -hmm. when folks actually, after a traumatic event, are spurred on to be uh, more productive individuals. Okay. Uh, typically, the first reaction to trauma is negative. You know, you yeah. go around saying, I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll get into that just a little bit later, but yeah, it's... Um, it could be bad. It's termed... It could be um, physical trauma. It could be yeah. sexually. It could be abusive. Any, any number of things. Yeah, what what he's talking about is more resiliency. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh. And why aren't you up here doing this? Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. So so yeah, trauma is also trauma doesn't always have to be a um, life altering event. It can be persistent um, abuse, persistent stress, persistent neglect over the course of years or even decades. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what trauma is. Does that kind of match up with what you already had in your brain? Yes, I see the wheels turn. Yeah, wheels are yes, <laughs> heads are nodding. Okay, good. All right. So, um, an experiential definition. Yeah. So let me get up here in front of the mic so that I guess they can hear our recording. I'm just gonna stand right here. That's fine. Um, so, what I mean by an experiential definition may uh, be that I don't know what the word experiential means, but here's what I mean, okay? Um, is that sometimes when you get the textbook definition of something, you're like, okay, that makes sense. But then an experiential definition is when you're like, yeah, I've experienced that before, or I get that. I now know what you mean. So there's a guy named Dan Allender. Um, he is a Christian author, professor, uh, psychologist up in Seattle, Washington. He's an expert in trauma, specifically sexual abuse. And here's what he says, and I, I always just kind of just read what he has to say because I think that it's really insightful. Um, he says that we cannot live in a fallen world without being violated. It's just a fact. You cannot live in a fallen world without being violated in some way, shape, or form. And so he says this about trauma, that even if you think you've never experienced something traumatic, or you've never been touched by trauma, personally. Um, one, you probably know someone who's dealt with something traumatic, or maybe you have dealt with something traumatic, um, and as Jermaine will talk about, resiliency has helped you see it differently. Uh, maybe the way in which you were raised or the culture you live in kind of um, influences you to see it as something perhaps less than traumatic. Um, but here's kind of the, what I would call the experiential definition. That trauma is sudden, it's unexpected, it can't be planned for. It simply appears and when it does, it intrudes, it sears, 
it cuts into the very, uh, every portion of your life. There's this kind of disruption that occurs in the midst of any trauma, which shatters our presumptions of how we once lived. The nature of trauma is that it reverts. It, it turns upside down our sense of time and perspective and even our sense of self. So it's not just sudden and invasive and intrusive, but it just disrupts um, life as a whole. Now, if you've ever experienced trauma, if you've ever dealt with grief from losing a loved one, and it kind of just feels like the floors pulled out beneath you, or nothing seems to be stable anymore, um, like that's that's trauma. When I talk about, and I'm saying I because I will not speak for you, but I'm not sure. When I talk about trauma, I always spell it wrong. I spell it with a big T and then a little T, and here's why. Because sometimes in our world, when you hear the word trauma, you immediately think of the, what I call big T traumas. Uh, death, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse. Uh, perhaps you lost someone or yourself lived through like a natural disaster. It's the kind of trauma that you're likely to hear about on the news. But the reality is, is there's a lot of research and there's a lot of folks that are practicing uh, working with those who've um, been through traumatic experiences that they're now saying we can't forget about the little t traumas. And what little t trauma means is not so much that there's some things that should be considered like a bigger version of trauma and less a version of trauma, but it's more like a spectrum. Um, I was reading a, a book by a guy who was writing his memoir, and he talked about being in middle school, and he had trouble controlling his bladder, and one day he, you know, had an accident in the middle of band, and they were all sitting in a circle, and it was time for them to stand up to play their instrument. And he was like, the moment I stood up and moved the psalm book, everyone would have known that here I am, this middle school boy who, like, wet himself. Now, some of us might think, well, you know, I've seen that in the show or movie and I laughed. But if you're that middle school boy, <laughs> like think how traumatic that experience is for you. So again, I, I say me because this, this for some folks is controversial, what we call trauma, what we don't. Um, but I tend to lean towards pers like the perspective of the person who's been traumatized. I wanna know about your experience of trauma. Um, personally, I say, who am I? <laughs> to say whether something was traumatic or not. If you think it was traumatic, let's work from there, okay? Um, I think you're up now. Okay. All right, we're doing go there transitions. All right. So, <clears throat> I recently, well, I wouldn't say recently, but a few months ago, I had the privilege of attending at the ACES Symposium uh, here in Memphis. Um, anybody ever heard of ACES? ACEs are adverse childhood experiences. These are um, things that children, specifically children, um, that children go through that are traumatic and they have 10 domains. And if, it's very easy to um, kind of take, kind of score your own, kind of assess yourself, um, score of one through 10 or zero through 10. So the domains are abuse, physical, emotional, sexual. Then there's neglect, physical and emotional. And then there's five different family challenges, mental illness, 
someone in your household had a men- was had diagnosed mental illness, um, an incarcerated relative that lived in your house, um, mother was treated violently, and uh, substance abuse in the house, or divorce. So, if you as a child, someone under the age of eighteen, experience any of these. Um, that is a that is considered an adverse childhood experience. Research has said that if you have a score of four or higher, four or higher, you're you're more likely to have a challenged adulthood because of these experiences. Personally, self disclosure, I have a a score of seven. Um, so it's very. I don't know that we really consider children as dealing with traumatic things because um, there's this thing of, I don't know which one of these I should talk about first. I'll talk about, um, so a lot of times trauma is so normalized that it's justified. Here's what I mean. So we say things like, um, it's just a part of life. It's become the norm. Or we say things like, um, there's one in every family. So it's okay. Um, it never happened, it, it happened to me and I turned out all right. Or, um, well, we had to do that to toughen you up. Or, it's no big deal, you'll get over it, you're still alive, right? So um, there's this thing called resiliency, and I think we've kind of touched on a little bit. Um, trauma, trauma, the definition of trauma is universal. The impact of trauma is relative. So one person that experienced sexual trauma, two different people, two different ways of um, two different impacts. Same trauma, two different impacts. So, co- resiliency is your, compass- your capacity to recover, cope, or defend against the trauma. So, for example, the child that um, kicks and screams and cries because they don't want to go to a certain person's house. That's a defense mechanism. It's resiliency. They built up resiliency to that trauma, so now they don't want to go. So in order to defend themselves from having to go and do that again, they do everything they can to not go. Make sense? Um, Or the child whose parents are always arguing. And so in order to cope with that, they'll turn the music up louder or turn the TV up louder. Traumatic experience, um, the ability to, to cope with that, turn up music. Make sense? Okay. Um, so now kind of moving towards, and we're watching the time because we want to make sure there's time for any questions or discussions, but moving towards what we mean by open wounds. Um, so let's say that someone, 
uh, experienced some sort of some form of trauma at a young age. Um, so self disclosure. Um, I was sexually abused around the age of three or four years old. I did not recall it until at least age 21. But as soon as I started remembering and recalling all of this, it was like I now had enough pieces of the puzzle to like put it together and be like, oh yeah, of course this happened because I know this and I know that and this makes sense and you know, and all this. But then I didn't even start trying to address or deal with the trauma until I think I was 25. By that time I'd like gone to college, I'd gotten married. And so like one day, age 25, for the first time in my life, I tell someone something that happened. And so what we mean by open wounds is that something happens, you are wounded, you are hurt at some point in life. And very often the way that trauma works or the way in which we might try to cope or deal with trauma is that it doesn't really get addressed or treated um, instantly. Now, I don't mind telling you about you know, my story. So what I now understand, and others in the room I think would understand this, is that there is something really like beautiful, I would call it, and God-given, that when something happens to you at age three or four, that you just simply do not have the ability to cope with. It's like there's this mechanism in our body that God says, we're just going to take this and we're going to put it over here for now. Because if you really try to deal with it right now, you couldn't do it. And unfortunately, sometimes we see young children who that mechanism works a different way and they try to deal with it. And like you can see very physical or physiological like responses to trauma. They don't speak. You know, they won't eat. Uh, they're, they're what we might call like a selective mute. Okay? And so the way that this trauma works, and I'm trying to keep this, um, I could get really nerdy about trauma, so I'm trying to keep it like um, common language, I guess. Um, is that another one of the ways our body's trying to protect ourselves and, and survive is to keep this intense stuff somewhere until we're ready to deal with it. But here's the thing, like when you don't know that you had something to deal with, right? And then one day it's like, what? Like, ugh, like what happened? Now, this is not how it always happens with everyone, but this is how it happens with some people. And so when we say open wounds, what we mean is that there's this wound or this hurt that more than likely occurred in an earlier time in your life, whether it's a small child or maybe even adolescence. It could even have been when you were an adult you may still remember it, but there might be things that you've developed to cope with it differently. If you've been in an abusive relationship for a long time and you've never left that relationship, you find ways to stay in that relationship, even if it means you have to endure the abuse, for, for example. And so the danger or the consequence, I guess I should say, with these open wounds is that my wife was living in a completely different state when I was three years old and she was three years old. My wife knew nothing about anything that happened to me when I was three years old. But because something happened to me at three years old that I had no control over, in our marriage, she then had to deal with some of the ways in which I was trying to cope and deal with that. And actually, like, there was a part of my marriage I didn't even know 
that that was part of my history, part of my story. And so then it becomes like, oh, this is why I might have some intimacy issues. This is why I might have trouble trusting you and opening up and communicating. This is why there might be times when like, I don't know how to process the simplest, what you might think is the simplest conversation because there's still a lot of stuff I haven't even worked through yet. Um, towards the end, I hope we have time to just answer questions or discuss, but um, before I kind of let Jermaine jump back in, keep in mind that there is always, um, or there at times is certain stigmas or stereotypes that come with not just trauma itself, but with different forms of trauma and who we're talking about. There is much more of a stigma or stereotype for men to talk about trauma they've experienced than women. There are certain different cultures, uh, populations, where there's a totally different kind of expectation of what you can talk about and what you can't talk about. Unfortunately, I've worked with a lot of people who they are the victim, but their family blames them for everything. And when you are the victim, but your family blames you for everything, you're not allowed to speak out. You're not allowed to ask for help. And for you to speak out would be not just to do something wrong, but to betray your family. So there's a lot of complexities there. Um, veterans, there's a certain stigma or stereotype that can exist, unfortunately, with veterans who have been diagnosed with PTSD. Um, there's this um, thing called like visible wounds versus invisible wounds. There was a study done that said that if I can look at you and you're a veteran, I can tell that you've been hurt in war, like you're missing an arm or a leg. There's this expectation that it's okay for you to talk more about your trauma than if you have all your arms and legs. There's always this stereotype, there's always this stigma to be aware of. Um, okay. That's what I'm doing. Okay. So I had to kind of see where I was, where we are on the, on the outline. So um, unaddressed trauma can present itself in many different ways. So we're going to try to run, give you some examples of what it may look like. Not saying if you observe these behaviors in people that there is unaddressed trauma in them. But these are just some examples. Um, addiction, whether it's substance abuse, process, or behavioral. Um, so, of course, opioid um, or alcohol. Um, behavioral, so gambling, something like that. Um, unexplained or irrational anger. People that are just mad all the time don't really have um, a direct cause or reason for their anger. They're just at work and they're mad. And they go home and they're mad. And they're driving down the street and they're mad. And they go pump gas and they're mad. And they go to a comedy show and they're mad. Doesn't, doesn't really matter. They're just upset, angry. They fly off the handle at the drop of a dime, literally. Someone can drop a dime and they're upset. Um, narcissism. Um, 
this can result from a negative parent-child relationship. So, um, uh, you know, uh, how should I say this? The young boy is always trying to please his dad and seek his dad's approval. So he just thinks he is, once he, he just wants that constant reassurance all the time. So he's constantly thinking he is better or more than he actually is. You know, his, you know, he gets first in, in a competition. His dad's like great and, you know, he is, again, very uh, sure of himself. So it grows up that way. He goes, uh, and he goes into relationships thinking that everybody should bow down to him. He goes to work. He's the top salesperson on the team. No one's better than him. Everybody else thinks. This could be a female, too, by the way. Um, homicidal or suicidal behavior. That's pretty self-explanatory. Um, low self-esteem. I need constant reassurance. Even if I tell, even if I'm told every day, I'm great, I'm awesome, I'm beautiful, you're, I'm loved, I still need that constant reassurance all the time. Because as soon as I hear it, five minutes later, I need to hear it again. Um, Self-blame, it's my fault. I'm the reason why this happened. So I can't tell anybody or I can't get help. Um, oh, those are all of mine. Keep going. I'm sorry I went so fast. Keep going. Um, <laughs> it can also manifest itself in depression. Um, dark rooms. Um, I don't like light. I don't want to go to work ever. I don't want to get up and do anything. I don't want to participate in life. I don't like any hobbies. No interests. Can't hold up. Can't hold a job. Can't keep a relationship. Um, abnormal or at aberrant behavior. That one I don't know, because that's a big word there, and I couldn't even say it. So, um, toxic relationships. Um, so someone who will stay in a relationship that they know is not good for them. Um, usually a romantic relationship, but. Family relationships can also be toxic. Um, there's an element of codependency there. Um, very high, what we um, what we clinicians call very high enmeshment, or there's um, someone in the family has a position in the person's life that they shouldn't have. Meaning, well, I can't do that because my mom said so, or I. I, I I need to get my dad's approval before before I do that. And I'm talking to my spouse. Um, physical and psychological. So there could be um, self-mutilation, uh, cutting. Uh, and we got depression on here twice. Yeah, we got depression on here twice, yeah. Um, Hypervigilant behavior or anxiety. So, um, hypervigilant behavior or anxiety is that there's um, there's an irrational fear. There's a there's a fear that's not real. So, um, I walk down an alley one time, and there's a dog, or an actual real dog, and I'm scared of the dog because it's a real dog. 
I run away. I come back two days later, same dark alley, no dog, but I'm afraid. So not only that's normal to be, I mean, the dark alley, it's a dog, you know, hey, there could be dogs jumping out of somewhere. But the activity that I go, the lengths I go through to protect myself against a dog that's not there. I'm gonna go five miles in the other direction to make sure I don't potentially get attacked by this dog that, that is not there. Hypervigilant um, behavior. Uh, I already talked about self-harm. So, oh, anything that I miss anything? Yes? The abnormal or abhorrent behavior, things where, like, if you go on the other end of the spectrum, if there is criminal behavior, promiscuity, things that we would see that are not normal behaviors for someone, like if they have, if there's like a personality shift. One week you're nice getting along with everybody in society, the next week you're harming people. You sound like you wrote a paper on this. I may have. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so what does this all mean for the Christian? It has some connection to us, you know. We're spiritual people. So, if you didn't know it, trauma is all throughout the Bible. Like, it's everywhere. Abraham. That's the thought of having to sacrifice Isaac. Or Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. Or Job losing everything. Or Jesus being crucified. Or the apostles having to be um, in constant fear of their life, fear of being constant fear of being incarcerated, uh, fear of being killed, and actually a lot of them were killed. Um, treatment of women and children. It says Luke. So <laughs> treatment of women and children um, and people who are outcasts. Oh, is that my key? Yeah. 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 Um, so if you look at probably some of the most uncomfortable passages in Scripture for us to study or talk about, like Luke 7 with the sinful woman, uh, the woman caught in adultery, in the Gospel of John, um, and just kind of, if you even do like surface level um, research on ancient times of how they treated what Jesus would call the least of these, those who are weak and vulnerable, those who live in society where maybe they did not have as much opportunity for power um, or status. Um, and so it's already that you are kind of at the bottom and you're considered um, only as valuable as you prove to be, but then consider like the laws that would allow abuse. Now, uh, some of us would say like, well, I was you know, discipline growing up. But then we start telling our stories of discipline. They sometimes can very quickly get into a field where, or excuse me, an arena where we're like, well, there's ways to discipline without leaving marks on your body. There's ways to discipline without, like, withholding food from you. There's ways to discipline without uh, calling you so many different names besides your given name that you start believing that you were just a piece of crap. Right, and so to think that this is not just a modern times issue, but this is this is an ancient 
issue, the treatment uh, of people. Um, but there is there is hope, as as always, and. Uh, I hope I hope that you haven't been too like beaten down by the first half of this class. I know it's been intense, and unfortunately, that's how trauma is. Uh, but in Lamentations, um, if you were not familiar with this, in Lamentations, the book written on the topic of lament, in verse twenty-one, it says, "But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope that the steadfast of the Lord never ceases; His mercies never come to an end; they are new every morning." Great is your faithfulness. A lot of folks sing that psalm, but they have no idea where it actually comes from. It comes from like one of the most depressing books in the Bible. Um, there is hope. And real briefly, I want to mention just a few um, options, resources for pursuing help or what you can do to help others. Um, I'll let Jermaine have the last word and hopefully we'll have some time um, for questions or we'll just let you out early. I heard there's food somewhere. Right, Bill? Um, so, um, first and foremost, um, if you or someone that you uh, know or love um, has dealt with, um, has experienced trauma, maybe has what you would call unaddressed or unresolved trauma, um, sometimes folks are interested in going to see a uh, mental health professional. And if they are, great, encourage that. Sometimes folks aren't ready for that. Uh, that's fine too. Um, I usually encourage folks that if someone is ready, or maybe if you're really concerned about their personal health, you do everything you can to encourage them. Never force, uh, never kind of intervene in a way where they feel like they um, are losing control. Because unfortunately what sometimes happens is folks who have experienced different forms of trauma can sometimes relive the trauma or have an intense flashback when someone is forcibly trying to get them to seek help. Um, I always know it comes from a good place. Um, but in an instance when someone, whether they've you know, survived a horrible natural disaster um, or they've experienced what we call big T, little T throughout their, their life, allow them to have a certain level of ownership and agency um, and kind of taking those steps. Um, there are certain therapies. Um, I mentioned EMDR earlier. Uh, I won't get into a lot right now, but EMDR is a therapy that has proven to be really effective in the treatment of trauma and some other things. Uh, there are other talk <coughs> therapies that can help a lot with folks who are going through trauma. Um, unfortunately, you've heard the saying that, um, you know, I'm not as, I'm gonna botch it, but you know, with time, everything heals or just give it some time. Unfortunately, that's not true with trauma. Uh, there's, I've never met someone that, if, that hasn't tried to think it away. Right? I've never met someone who hasn't tried to get rid of it somehow. And so time isn't, it's not like, well, just wait another lifetime and it'll go away. You don't have to worry about it. Um, this is something that if it's not addressed, if it's not resolved, um, even if you have a really high degree of resiliency, um, it at times may perk its head up or it's going to cause, um, you know, at the least, some disruption at the most, possibly. Uh, great damage and destruction. Um, Christian practices. Uh, search the word for the times in which hope is found in the Lord. Um, prayer. Um, a sense of community. Uh, Christian meditation. Um, I, I'm thankful to know that you have several individuals in the room who are professionals. I assume you have others in your congregation uh, who may even be um, experts 
and uh, this sort of thing. Um, I'll say one last thing, and I'll let Jermaine uh, speak, and then we'll we'll try to give you all some time. Um, the last thing I would say is this, is that if you are someone who is in a marriage um, or in a friendship or in any type of family relationship or coworker with some that either you know they've been through some form of some form of trauma or you have kind of your expectations. Uh, I'm sorry, you have your um, not expectations, but your ex did I say that right? Suspicions. Suspicions, thank you, that's what I'm looking for. Suspicions. Um, patience, prayer, understanding. If someone has had their trust taken away from them at any point in time in life, it is really hard for them to trust you enough to give you that trust. Even if you had nothing to do with it. If someone at any point in time has felt like their entire life was just taken from them and it has to rebuild it, imagine the amount of time and energy it would take someone to have to rebuild it all again. Um, before you leave, we're going to pass out uh, something that um, it's really quick and to the point, and it basically just says if someone's experienced trauma, here's some things that they're kind of struggling with. Okay? Like loss, a sense of self, and sense of safety, sense of trust, basic things like that. And what I like about it, it's really, it's really short and to the point, is it just helps you think like, oh, you know, that, that might make sense. Okay. Want to wrap it up? Sure. No pressure, right? <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> so I think, um, I think everything we've kind of thrown at you, it's been a lot, maybe heavy for some of you, um, but you know, kind of, what does it all mean? I, I'm going to try to make it as short as I possibly can, but effective. Um, so a lot of times, you know, when we experience trauma in our lives, you know, one of the thoughts we, we have is man, what am I going to do? My life was, is never going to be the same. Like, I, I, I can't go back there after this. I can't, I can't face this person after this. So I, I, I just don't know how I'm going to move forward from this. Well, um, as Christians, you know, trauma is not the end of our story. We are not, I am not my trauma. Um, God can use <coughs> trauma to help you develop a new identity. Think about the people in the Bible who experienced traumatic events. Jesus, most of all, um, with being crucified on the cross. Trauma, once it's given to God, usually leads to greatness. Um, you may say, well, I'll never be the same again. Well, maybe that's not such a bad thing. Maybe God is calling you out of that to be great for him. <laughs>